Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch. Fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. All right, our first weekend roundup here of the 2019 season. A lot to talk about. Welcome to Fantasy Baseball today, everybody. It is Monday morning. I am Adam Azer with Scott White and Heath Cummings. Guys, is it me, or was almost every pitcher really, really good over the weekend? And are there like 15 that you want to pick up right now? <laughs> or they were really, really bad. Or that, yeah. Yeah, basically, the ones people probably started were bad, mm-hmm. and the ones people were kind of interested in but weren't willing to start yet, they were good. There's a lot to digest, so we will look at the most added list and see who you are adding. We will talk about the pitchers that are worrying us. I would say that, uh, hey, I'm off to a great start with the player I love. There is no way you could not be worried about you, Darvish, after his seven-walk outing on uh, on Saturday at Texas. Um, but, I mean, the Marlins guys, the Brewers guys, the Padres guys, uh, Yanni Torino. You know what? Let's get right into it. Scott. If there if there was one pitcher from over the weekend that is available in a in a number of leagues that you think fantasy owners need to pick up, who is that pitcher? Well, the ones who were still available in mine, and I don't have all the ownership percentages down, but um, the two Marlins, I was able to grab Trent Richards in one league. Still, I was able to grab Pablo Lopez in one league. Still, um. Pablo Lopez pitched on Saturday, seven strikeouts at five and a third innings. In terms of ERA, he was the most impressive Marlins pitcher this spring, but then he, he, he missed a surprising number of bats in this first start, and he had actually made an improvement since spring in terms of change of velocity. It was down, and it seemed to be a more effective pitch as a result. He wasn't, he wasn't overthrowing that pitch. Uh, there was more of a difference between it and his fastball, and obviously it led to a lot of missed bats. Yeah, 19 swinging strikes for Pablo Lopez. And as Scott mentioned, three and runs and five and a third. Ownership percentages I'm giving out today are as of Sunday night. He was 35% owned, so widely available. I think some tough calls for a lot of fantasy managers on who do I drop. You know, there's a lot of pitchers that we want, but who do we drop? Uh, and, you know, that's always a tough call. Plus, one thing that really jumped out to me, Heath, and I want to get know which pitchers that you really want to pick up, um... I mean, I think you take the uh, Detroit-Toronto series as the best example. There's just a lot of really bad lineups. And pitchers that face these bad lineups did very well. I don't think any of us are buying into Matt Shoemaker, just a guess. Uh, I don't know that any of us are buying into Jake Odorizzi. 11 strikeouts uh, for Odorizzi against Cleveland on Saturday. So how about this? Odorizzi and Jose Barrios are the first pitchers to start a season for the same team with double-digit strikeouts since Randy Johnson and Kurt Schilling. So uh, <laughs> go Cleveland there against the Twins. All right, but Heath, um, tell me the pitchers that you, that you really want. Well, I think it's funny. Scott mentioned two Marlins pitchers and didn't even mention the best Marlins pitcher of the weekend because we weren't quite as excited about him beforehand. But Sandy Alcantara, eight shutout innings against the Rockies and did not walk anyone, which is just astounding for him. He didn't have many strikeouts, but he had plenty of swinging strikes. So I I was encouraged by him. The two I'd be most excited to add would actually be on the same team again. 
except they'd be Brewers. It's Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns, both of which have that RP eligibility, and showed promising signs. They're going to have some concerns with home runs in Milwaukee, and Burns did against St. Louis, but I, I'm excited about both those young pitchers. All right, I watch a lot of baseball, a lot, too much baseball over the weekend, and Corbin Burns was actually the guy that stood out to me the most because he struck out 12 in five innings, but he did seem to lose his stuff, and it was evident in what happened as he got deeper into the game. And I guess that's not a huge surprise. Corbin Burns was making his first major league start, and, yeah, you know, it's third time through the order, and then... Losing a little bit of velocity and it's all, it's the first start of the season. So that does happen to a lot of pitchers like Tyler Skaggs, for example, said it seemed to be a little out of gas because he had a, sort of an abridged spring training. But I, yeah, Burns, it's like all the good things because he had a great year out of the bullpen last year, but also the concern that I had, which is can he go deep into games never having done it at this, at this yeah. level? Was this a good start? A great start? A, you know, what kind of start was this for Corbin Burns? Five innings, four runs, three homers, twelve strikeouts. An encouraging it, it, start. I mean, it was, it, it was positive. Like uh, that was my main takeaway. Yeah, he only two pitches he flashed in this start, and they started to hit him a little the second time through the order. But he was he, he, so dominant, uh, even in terms of missing bats. Once they started hitting him, and this is the thing that really stands out for me for Corbin Burns. Two pitches, yes, but the spin rate on his fastball set a record for spin rate in a game by 300. 300 RPM. It, the record previously was, I think, 2,600, and it was like 2,900. So 300 is how much he exceeded the previous high. That That is, that is huge and obviously speaks to how effective that pitch is for him. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, there's there's no way I'd leave him available if he was still available. I see he's 60% owned, so he is available in a good number of leagues. Wasn't available in any of mine. And then I'll just say, because there was some Matt Shoemaker shade earlier. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. I, we, we picked him up in the For the People League, and he is someone in a deeper league that I'm interested in just because he's shown us in the past when things are going right, he can be a very serviceable fantasy starting pitcher. And this was an encouraging first start. The guy I picked yeah, up I picked a lot. Him up uh, in the yeah. 12-team podcast league, the points league. So I'm not total. I mean, uh, on the spectrum of exciting pitchers from this weekend, he ranks pretty low. But you know, we we play with some people who are with it and are already targeted. Had some of these sleepers already stashed away. Some of these Marlins and Brewers and right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, there there weren't that many guys for me to pick up, so I ended up getting Lucas Giolito and. We also need to talk about yep. who, who we're dropping. And the thing is with Giolito is that he could easily be terrible next time out. And I know that. And Giolito is about 17% owned. He struck out eight Royals on Sunday. What we're going to do is I'm going to give you a name, and I want like a one- to two-sentence reaction and how excited you'd be to pick them up if they were available. So I have a lot of pitchers here and a lot more coming later in the show. But I think this is the big theme of the weekend. If you're going to be picking up somebody right now, it's probably a pitcher and not a hitter. Uh, let's start with Trevor Williams and go all the way on down to Trent Thornton, who made his major league debut, uh, debut for the Blue Jays and struck out eight Tigers in five scoreless innings. In fact, Thornton, uh, more on him later, but he, uh, became the second pitcher in baseball history to allow zero runs, zero walks, two or fewer hits, and eight or more strikeouts in his major league debut. And the first was Nick Kingham last year. All right. Let's start with Trevor Williams. 
Scott, then Heath, give me like one to two sentences. He is 73% owned. Trevor Williams for the Pirates, who actually had a 311 ERA last year and got off to a great start this year. Yeah, it, last year seemed kind of fluky. He did top swinging strike total in this start. It, you know, only once last year did he top it, but it's still mostly a fastball. I'm not that interested. He is a guy that my interest in him throughout the season will largely depend on whoever he's facing next. I don't think there's a ton of upside here. I don't think he's going to turn into a must-start pitcher, but if he has good matchups, I'll use him. All right, then I think what we should do as we go down the list, kind of prioritize for us, tell the listeners who you want over who. The next two guys are the Brewers guys, Brandon Woodruff and Corbin Burns. 64% own Woodruff, 60% own Corbin Burns. Uh, these are the top two guys on my list, and I, I'm going to start them as relievers most weeks if I don't have a uh, a couple of good closers. Yeah, they're must-own. Woodruff got 13 swinging strikes in this one, peaked at 97 with his fastball. Full arsenal workhorse type. Could be really good. You guys like Woodruff better than Burns? <sighs> I do. Yeah, I think so. I think, I think I have so. Burns one spot higher at the beginning of the year. I don't think anything's changed, so I think I'll just keep him there. Okay, and then, uh, you know, let's t- Heath, are they the top two on your list if you're just playing in a Roto League and you're not starting them as RPs? Mm, probably. Okay. They're actually, I'm finding they're actually easier to start in a Roto League since they're just P spots. There are so many Sparps that don't have SP eligibility yet. It's hard to fit them all in a relief pitcher spot. That's a good point. All right, Trevor Richards is next. He's 54% owned, and I really don't think he threw this this new curveball so much. So I was watching that start as well, and the Marlins announcers were like, yeah, he's not throwing the curveball, but he still had a good start. Six innings, one run, four strikeouts against Colorado. Trevor Richards, Heath. I'm, I was excited. I thought he was worth a late-round pick before this start. Nothing really changed for me because of the start. I'm a little questioning the Rockies right now and how, if they're going to be bad again outside of course offensively. But I uh, this was encouraging. Scott on Trevor Richards. He, he threw well. They classified it as a slider, but he threw the breaking ball 23 times on 81 pitches. So he, he definitely was throwing it. But he throws a slider. Yeah, he, he added a curveball. And I don't think he threw the curveball uh, that much. I just remembered him being mostly a fastball changeup guy. He was. Year. You're right. So he he threw the slider more, I think, or maybe it was a combination of the two, and it was classified as a slider, which is kind of what Chris was saying. But actually, I saw the whole feature yeah. on him, and he used the Rapsodo machine to increase the spin rate on his curveball. And basically, guys, I came up with a great team name: Hap Soto Machine. Hap Soto machine. Okay, tre- okay. Trevor. <laughs> I'm not sure I get it, but. Rap Soto machine. That's I'm what glad all these. Pleased the Rap Soto machine is what all these pitchers are using now to, to improve their pitching. And there's J Hap, okay. Juan Soto, Hap Soto machine. Okay. So. I guess I just don't know enough. Thanks. Thanks for. I don't know what I don't know. Heath, you know what, you get <laughs> it, and you won't laugh. Um, I know what the machine is. Yeah. Yeah, okay. <laughs> All right, uh, Trevor Richards is behind the Brewers, guys. How about Matt Boyd and Pablo Lopez? Who do you like better? They're this, both about 35% owned. I'll take Pablo Lopez just because we've not had to deal with this from him before, and this was such a Matt Boyd 
Like in in the beginning, it wasn't because he was actually getting a lot more swinging strikes. He dominated the first three innings of this game, and then here comes Matt Boyd again. Uh, well, he ends up with three earned runs in five innings, four total runs, and ten strikeouts to one walk. Mm-hmm. Um, it's okay. hard to know what to make of any of the Tigers or Blue Jays pitchers. Um, yeah. You know, other than the fact Boyd got 19 swinging strikes. In this start, uh, the most only once last year did he top 15, but there there wasn't really any other indicators there that it was anything more than a matchup situation. But I know some people, some people I really like, really like Boyd, and I haven't figured out why yet. So he's definitely somebody to keep an eye on. I'm Matt, just not moving to pick him up based on this. Matt Boyd didn't have a terrible year last year. 4.39 ERA, 1.16 whip, and he had a 2.63 ERA at home. So I'm sure we prefer Pablo Lopez over him. How about Jake Odorizzi and Lucas yeah. Giolito and Sandy Alcantara? I'm not sure how to pronounce it, by the way. But these three are widely available, less than 30% owned. Odorizzi, Giolito, Alcantara, who's your favorite there? Giolito, for me, the only one I'm completely disinterested in is Odorizzi, who was facing that Indians lineup, did get a ton of swinging strikes. All but one of them were on his fastball, so that right away is uh, something I distrust. Giolito, though, he was he was really impressive yesterday. He has tweaked his mechanics, shortened his uh, arm action. Picked up like a mile per hour on his fastball from last year, but really it was the secondary stuff that he was overwhelming with, particularly the changeup. And, I mean, this kind of talent, sometimes it takes a while yes. to manifest in the big leagues. Yes! But this may be the start of it. I was picking him up in some deeper leagues. Obviously, he was lower on this pecking order. Right. But uh, I, I did get him in a couple leagues. Uh, he yeah, I'll, I'll go with Alcantara. Um, Alcantara, Sandy, Sandy's my boy. Sandy, yeah. Um, and, and I will agree with what Scott said about Odorizzi. I feel almost entirely like that about Giolito as well, but I do recognize we haven't seen him fail quite as much. Uh, Matt Shoemaker and Yanni Chirinos are both widely available. Shoemaker, fourteen percent owned, seven scoreless, two walks, seven strikeouts against the Tigers, and Yanni Chirinos, seven innings, one run, six strikeouts against the Astros. Um, who had, I believe, the fewest strikeouts in baseball last year. So how do Shoemaker and Chirino stack up with Alcantara, Giolito, Pablo Lopez, etc.? I was prioritizing Giolito. Well, you know what? That's not even true. I was prioritizing Shoemaker over Giolito because yep. I feel like if he's healthy, the downside for Shoemaker really isn't that low. I think he could be an innings eater on a start-by-start basis with Pretty good strikeout numbers because of the splitter, it being so good. I didn't make a move for Chirinos, uh, but it was interesting, A, that they didn't use an opener with him this time. Like, the, the Rays with what they did with their pitching staff, now suddenly other teams are interested in the opener, but maybe they're not as interested as much. I don't know. <laughs> but, uh, he actually started and he showed a really good splitter. I just feel like I need to see more from Chirinos, uh, especially given all the other priorities out there right now. Yeah, I already had Yanni on a team, and if you told me that he was going to get to start every game, then I, I would be far more interested in him. He was actually pretty good last year. His 3.5 ER, 1 ERA was exactly the same as his FIP. He doesn't get a ton of strikeouts, 
but he does get enough ground balls and has very good control. They will be using an opener, Ryan Stanek, tonight against the Rockies, but uh, they needed it. They had a taxed bullpen, and they needed uh, Yanni Chirinos, and he did a great job yesterday. Do you guys have any interest in Nick Margavichus of the Padres? Five innings, one run, five strikeouts against San Francisco, or Trent Thornton? Five scoreless with eight strikeouts against Detroit for the Blue Jays. I mean, Mar- Margavichus yeah. was in A ball <laughs> last year. Yeah. And um, the numbers weren't overwhelming for that level. They were fine. I mean, he wouldn't be getting this opportunity if they weren't fine. But no, I'm not particularly interested. Trent Thornton, uh, same thing. The numbers were only fine in the minor- minors. He doesn't really have a great arsenal beyond the fastball. Um, I take that as definitely a matchup success against the Tigers. I'm not looking into these too much at all. Okay. All right, I'm, there we I'm go. I'm still just stunned that's actually the way you pronounce his last name. That's how I heard it on the broadcast, Mark Gavichus. I watched a lot of Padres games, man. Uh, like, again, you don't know what to make of it, but Chris Paddock was really good, really good yesterday. Giants are such a great matchup. And I... This feels to me, guys, like a season where streaming pitchers against matchups is going to be something that I do. It could be an overreaction, but just thinking about it, that I do more than I've ever done before, especially in the American League. I mean, there are so many bad teams now, so many easy matchups, and I'm really excited for Jose Mm. Barrios because, holy cow, the AL Central is so bad. And it, I just, with all the tanking going on right now, I just, I just feel like we're going to be shuffling pitchers in and out of our lineups depending on matchups. Is anybody else feeling that right now? It seems like a possibility. I don't, I don't want to overreact because, right. I mean, the, there will be days where all of these teams look good on offense. There will be whole series where they look good, but it, it does seem like the bad teams were more obvious than the good teams, just in terms of when we were making our picks the order of finish in the divisions. Every division but one, we all picked the same team to finish last. So that's pretty telling in and of itself. All right, a lot to unpack from the weekend, guys. Let's take a look at the most added list. I do want to tell you all real quick, though, uh, how's your bracket doing? Anybody have uh, my champions out, UNC? Perfect. Perfect bracket? My champion's still in, but I wouldn't say it's a good bracket. Who's your champion? Virginia. There you go. You got that. You got the one seed right. How about you, Heath? I had Virginia. Oh, very good. Very good. Okay. Well, we're getting closer and closer to one shining moment. You got to catch all of the NCAA, NCAA tournament action. Well, the, uh, the recaps, the highlights, the analysis, all of that on CBS Sports HQ, our 24 hour streaming sports network. It's built for fans. Like you and me, it's built for the diehard fans. We had a fantasy baseball show on CBS Sports HQ last week. You will get some fantasy baseball content on there. So check it out. Just download the CBS Sports app. It's all free. And you can watch HQ on your Fire TV, on your Roku, on your Apple TV, uh, any streaming device on, on CBSSports.com. You can see it, CBSSportsHQ.com. Uh, so, yeah, check it out. It's all free, and it's it's outstanding. The most added list... All right, Enrique Hernandez is number one. He is up from 16% to 69%, and Tim Beckham is number two, if there's anything you'd like to say. And Jock Peterson, Jock Peterson is number three. These guys were all owned in less than 30% of leagues, and now they are 70% owned, right around there. 
Heath Enrique Hernandez, Tim Beckham, Chuck Peterson are three most added hitters. Yeah, Hernandez is the only one of those three that I actually added on any of my teams. I, I'm not really buying into Beckham, and I still don't think that Peterson, I don't, I only got one league where it's a daily lineup league, and I don't think he's going to be valuable enough in leagues where you set your lineup weekly. So I, I did pick up Enrique Hernandez in a couple of leagues, and uh, I think that there's reason for excitement. Oh my gosh. Are you guys, <laughs> this is not, are you seeing this Freddie Freeman news? Ah! Freddie Freeman. No. He got hit last night? I don't even remember that. Eight to 12 weeks <laughs> with a broken hand. Oh my gosh. Well, there goes my podcast league team. Ah! Wow. Uh. Replacements? Are you seeing this news, by the way? Uh, no. Okay, go to www.aprilfools.com. <laughs> Got him. I hate you. Freddie Freeman's fine, everybody. My, I mean, that was pretty mean. Flashed before my eyes. They're already the worst team in baseball, and now you want to take away their best player. <laughs> <laughs> I do it every year. I had to get it in. Sorry, listeners. Okay, also on the most added list, Eric Lauer is 68% out. Remember him? He pitched on Thursday. So, Scott, now we got all these exciting guys on the Marlins, on the Brewers, and Eric Lauer's there. You know, where do you put Eric Lauer? Uh, pretty low. He wasn't somebody I'm excited about anyway. He doesn't really have a standout pitch. I don't think has a lot of strikeout potential. Yeah, he's pretty low for me. This this ad drop list seems like mostly overreactions. I agree with Heath that Enrique Hernandez should be probably owned like he is now, 69% owned. But the rest the rest are not guys I've been making a move for. Uh, like Colton Wong? No. Yep. I mean, you got to go a little further down before you... Well, he said guys no. Guys I'm interested Scott, in start popping up. Yeah, he said no. Scott said yeah, but I think they meant the same thing. Like, no, we don't want him, and yes, it's an overreaction. Right. But Domingo uh, Santana, my, my no. yeah was agreeing with the no. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> Domingo Santana is not an overreaction. He's 88% owned, and, and he deserves it. He's off to yep. a really good start. Um, Austin Barnes getting a lot of questions. Should I drop my underachieving or not playing that much catcher like Williams, Austin Dio, or um, or uh, Oh, who's the guy that we keep getting asked about? Francisco Mejia is yeah, the guy we keep getting you. asked about. That's the guy. Uh, should I drop Francisco Mejia for Austin Barnes? I wouldn't have a problem with either of those moves. I, I, you know, it sounds weird to say after one series, but something wasn't right for Austin Barnes last year because this looks much more like the guy uh, we thought we were getting then. He himself, there's a good chance he doesn't play much more than 50% of the time. That's just kind of the modern approach at catcher. So I'm not totally sure I'd drop Mejia for him. Mejia has more upside. He's only started one of the first four games, but if he starts today, that's 40% of the starts he's getting all of a sudden. So it's hard to, it's right. hard to know exactly after one series what the playing time, how the playing time's going to shake out anywhere. Uh, but Barnes looks like a top 12 catcher this year, even if I'm not quite ready to look, put him in my top 10. What, did Garrett Hampson only start once over the weekend too? Yes, uh, maybe twice. I believe well, it was, so. It was frustrating because I figured there, with Daniel Murphy breaking his finger, Hampson would be right. in. Right. And they put Mark, Mark Reynolds. Reynolds in it first. Yeah. Which, which is good and bad because I feel like yeah. Go ahead. 
I feel like it's easy to overreact to playing time situations this time of year. I mean, it's it's one series. We're, we're going to need a couple weeks to know really what the playing time trends are, especially I, I feel like this is something managers often do. They like to incorporate the whole roster early on for whatever reason. Um, <laughs> it's weird, right? <laughs> you know, the, they were facing a lefty last year, which may probably had something to do with Reynolds being in. I, I suspect the Daniel Murphy injury is really good news for Garrett Hampson, even if it hasn't shown up yet. Yeah, I just here's the one thing I want. I want it to be good news for Hampson because I, I did pick him up in the podcast league. I think Hampson he was pretty widely owned in my leagues, but you you have to get him, especially if you need steals. I want Ryan McMahon to just make two more appearances at second base because Daniel Murphy injury came a little bit too early. McMahon is not second base eligible yet. He's made three appearances, uh, I think three appearances at uh, maybe McMahon only McMahon started all four games. Yeah, but I think he was at first base for one of them. So I think he made three appearances at second base. So we need just two more for him to get that eligibility. Um, guys, oh, by the way, speaking they, of lineups, They weren't facing a lefty yesterday, by the way. I don't, I don't know why I said that. They were facing Alcantara, who's not a lefty. But regardless, yeah, they're, they're incorporating their whole rosters, and we need to see more. And, and Scott said, you know, you don't take too much away from lineups. Just two things that, that I did think were really interesting. Malik Smith appears to be the leadoff hitter, at least against righties. And D. Gordon does have three steals, but all batting ninth, uh, except in the Japan games when Smith wasn't healthy. And, oh, I was going to say, oh, Brandon Lau. That's who it was. Brandon Lau has, has sat two of four games. And, yes, it is early, but that was disappointing to see. Does not look like Struck they're going out. to allow him to play every day. He had a terrible Struck start. out a lot when he did play. I actually, in in the podcast league, which is a points league, head-to-head, smaller lineups to fill. Um, you know, So I wasn't dropping him in any of my... Roto lineup leagues, but I did drop Lau for Shoemaker. Lau is 33% owned. He's 0 for 9 with 5 strikeouts. Do you guys see anyone else on the most added list that needs to be added? I mean, Ryan McMahon is still only 79% owned. Um, he should be 100. Yeah. 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 Um, Frankie Montas, I, I didn't mention. He and Jordan Zimmerman are 25 and 23% owned, respectively. Eh? Yeah. Montas, Montas is interesting. League. Yeah. He added... Um, a pitch. I think it was a splitter, actually. It is a splitter, yeah. And his fastball yeah, and had, velocity is way up, too. Had an 0.59 ERA this spring, and then obviously this good start. He was behind, like, even the shoemaker Giolito class of pickups yesterday for me. I wasn't looking at him in any smaller leagues, but in my larger leagues, I had some claims for him. Okay, let's take a quick break here on Fantasy Baseball today. When we come back, weekend standouts and relief pitchers to add. If you need some saves, there might be some options out there. We're coming right back on Fantasy Baseball today. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. Homes.com offers in-depth neighborhood guides with detailed video overviews, comprehensive narratives, and unbiased information from a multitude of sources. You thought we go in-depth with player analysis on Fantasy Baseball today? You haven't seen anything yet. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood complete with a video guide. 
If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. When looking at local schools, they offer test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. All right, in that bullpen. So, yeah, actually, a lot of developments. Matt Barnes got a save. That was good. Jordan Hicks blew a save. Uh, Ian Kennedy got a save. Michael Givens, if you own him, was not used in the ninth inning, but he was used against the best hitters, and it, I think he's still their closer. They just got, like, 10% of their wins for the season this weekend, <laughs> and he got zero saves. He almost got a save yesterday on Sunday, but just ran out of gas because they, they used him in the, uh, in the eighth inning twice. Um, Josh Hader had an immaculate inning. Nine pitches, all fastballs, all strikes, and got a save. Um, all right. So people are picking up Taylor Rogers, even though, it, well, Blake Parker messed up in a tie game in the ninth inning on Saturday. And I picked up mm-hmm. Steve Ciszek because Pedro Strope, he was hurt during spring. I thought he was going to start the year on the DL. He didn't. He's had two appearances. They both have been bad. So I do wonder if Ciszek gets the next opportunity. Um, Scott, why don't you I, kick it I off? I saw somebody pick up Carl Edwards, I guess, thinking the same thing. But sure. Ciszek did get chances that Edwards didn't last year. It is a bit of a guessing game. Um, who is out there that you guys think is – a candidate for some saves. Someone in Seattle. Oh, yeah, that too. Hunter Strickland's out like two months. Two to three months. The 8 to 12-week timetable. Yeah, I actually dropped him in a 15-team league that didn't have DL spots, which stinks. Uh, the guy I was adding for Seattle was Anthony Swarzak, but it's it's just a guess. They had Nick Rumbelo get a save. They had uh, someone else get a save who doesn't look like closer material. Uh Corey Guerin. Yeah, it's, well, Corey Guerin blew it's it. It's a desperate. Corey Guerin came in. See, that's yeah, the guy Corey. I picked up. I thought it was going to be Corey Guerin, and he got in leading 10-7 in the ninth yesterday, and he was bad. Uh, and I think, and Rumbelow got the save on Saturday. Who got the save on Sunday? Chasen Bradford got the save, okay. bailing out Corey Guerin yesterday. Bailing him but out. But he's right. not, he doesn't show the strikeout potential of a closer. I don't think he would get that shot. Swarzak's going to be back from the DL soon, but. It's just a guess, and you know maybe that situation, the Orioles situation, the Royals situation. I'd avoid him if you can. I would go for Taylor Rogers over any of them, but even that's questionable. Just how much of a claim he has to that role. Uh, yeah, and the Cardinals situation could be up in the air too if this continues for Hicks. Given that one a pass, obviously. But eventually, Carlos Martinez is going to be back probably for the bullpen. Alex Reyes is in the bullpen. Andrew Miller, of course, in the bullpen. They do sound excited about Hicks. Apparently, in addition to the slider, he's added a changeup that he got a couple strikeouts with in his first appearance, not this one yesterday where he struggled. Mm-hmm. But he's he's unproven, you know, and they have a lot of alternatives in that bullpen. Heath, what stood out to you in the bullpen? Um. I'd just like to see Josh Hader stay the closer because he's probably the best closer in baseball if he does. You think he will? And 
Well, Jeremy Jeffers is still not healthy. And he, um, I don't think he'll stay the closer, but I think he's got a chance to get a lot more saves than he did last year. Like okay. he's already started off, obviously, with an advantage, but I think if it's just Jeffress and Hader and they don't sign Craig Gimbrell, we're going to see Josh Hader get a lot more saves than he did last year. Uh, I think Drew Steckenrider is, is probably the closer. Sergio Romo got a save, but I, I don't think Steckenrider was available when that happened. It was good to see Jose Alvarado for the Rays, you know, be used as a conventional closer. One inning on Friday, one inning on Saturday, got a save both days, then Diego Castillo Got the save on Sunday. You got to figure Alvarado. They weren't going to throw him three days in a row. Um, as I mentioned, Matt Barnes got the save. If there's one guy in in Kansas City, Heath, would you rather have Kennedy or Peralta? No. <laughs> um, I don't think there is one guy in Kansas City, and like Ned Yost just said that. So I would expect Peralta's going to lead the team in saves right now, but I don't expect anybody to get twenty saves. And Scott, are you concerned about David Robertson right now? A little. Um, his velocity seemed pretty normal in the first outing. The second outing, it was kind of down. I'm not sure I can make anything of that yet, but obviously he didn't pitch well either time. And while I do think he's the favorite for saves in Philadelphia, we know that's going to be a timeshare to some degree. So I, uh, I, I was, um, I dropped him for, or I tried to drop him for Alvarado in one league. I don't know if that claim went through for me. And I thought about it. I didn't actually pull the trigger. Uh, but I thought about dropping Robertson for, trying to remember who it was, but somebody like the Will Smith class of closer. Somebody who's more clearly the closer, but in a very questionable situation for saves. I ended up sticking with Robertson over that, but it's, you know, I was toying with the idea. All right, that's your bullpen recap. Quick news and notes. Justin Upton out 8 to 12 weeks with turf toe. Corey Canables having Tommy John surgery this week. Daniel Murphy broke his finger. Could be a long-term thing. Hunter Strickland out 2 to 3 months with a lat strain. Francisco Lindor is going to see an ankle specialist today, and hopefully we have more news. But you never want to see a guy go to a specialist. Uh, Miami first baseman Garrett Cooper is on IL with a calf injury, and the Marlins recalled Peter O'Brien. Some rumors. San Diego talking to Dallas Keuchel, according to Ken Rosenthal. The Mets, Brewers, and Tampa Bay are interested in Craig Kimbrell, um, according to Ken Rosenthal. So Keiko maybe San Diego, Mets, Brewers, the Mets, that's interesting. Gosh, Diaz would be their closer if they got Kimbrell. Uh you would think, right? Uh you would think. Man, that would be that would be sad if Kimbrell wasn't a closer. I mean it'd be sad if Diaz wasn't a closer yeah. too, but um, the Mets may use an opener, or the Yankees rather, may use an opener today. So if you picked up Domingo Armand for two starts, I don't know what's gonna happen. I think they, Luis Sessa pitched yesterday, so, but they may use Chad Green as an opener today. I hope they don't. Uh, you gotta mix things up. You lose the series to the Orioles. You gotta change things up. You know how they started last year? They lost three or four to the Orioles. But I was still pretty pissed off. Uh, Kevin Gosman and AJ Minter could be back on April 4th. Mike Fultonevich could be back on April 14th. Clayton Kershaw tentatively set for a rehab start this week on Thursday. Uh, how about this? All four games of the Houston Tampa Bay series lasted two hours and 40 minutes or less. That's awesome. Uh, Tampa Bay second baseman Joey Wendell left with a hamstring injury. I don't know if that affects Brandon Lau at all. 
Uh, yeah, maybe. And seems like Alex Wood likely will not be back by mid-April. And the Padres, okay, you got the, the president's race in Washington, which is always fun. Did you see what the Padres introduced yesterday for a between innings fun little race? Did not. It is the, the anchorman race. The anchorman race. Thank you for reading the notes, Heath. Did you actually see it? I saw people tweeting about it. it I did not actually see it. It was really funny. The gigantic Ron Burgundy, Brick, Brian Fantana, Champ Kind, Heads, Racing. It's good stuff. So, who else stood out this weekend that you guys want to talk about? Heath, I'll kick it to you. Uh, Trey Turner. He may just be the most valuable hitter in fantasy. Just opening day, he steals three bases, and then on Sunday, he double-dongs, and he's striking out too much, but who cares right now, the way he's hitting and the way he's running. I'm very excited about Trey Turner, and just, like, I wrote about it before with the season started, and it's kind of like a, a rich man's version of the argument we've made for Adalberto Mondesi, but, like, He's a guy who could steal 50, 60 bases, hit 20 home runs, and hit close to 300. And none of those things would really be all that surprising. Yeah, and let's not forget, you know, Pete Alonso had a great weekend too. That was a fun series. But Trey Turner, all the guys in the Mets, all the guys in the Nationals, they faced aces, like five to yeah. six aces, you know. All those pitchers were top 100 picks, and five of them were like top 60 picks. So anyone who hit well in that series, obviously – like Trey Turner hit a walk-off home run off Justin Wilson yesterday, but, you know, obviously they, they face some very good pitching. So great start for Trey Turner. And, Scott, how about you? A standout? So this guy was widely drafted. Uh, I kind of backed away from him because of struggles this spring, and I think there was some mention of his velocity being down, but first showing was great for Colin McHugh. Yeah. Uh, nine strikeouts in his five innings of work. Uh, velocity was pretty normal back according to his days when he was starting. Obviously not last year out of the bullpen, but for his time starting, the velocity was pretty normal. And his best pitch yesterday was the slider, which he didn't even have the last time he was starting for the Astros. Picked it up from Brad Peacock. It's been a pitch that's made Brad Peacock a worthwhile pitcher in the majors. And the Q did great with it yesterday. Or uh, Saturday, I think it was. So, stock up for McHugh. Yeah, and talk about the other guy in that game, because he faced Tyler Glass now, who also did well. I think he only had four strikeouts, mm -hmm. but again, I, I believe the yeah, Astros no. struck out less than any other team in baseball last year, and they added Michael Brantley. But I sat Tyler Glass now, and it was it was foolish. <laughs> Oops. Well, I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a great start in terms of overall result, but in terms of uh, kind of alleviating my concerns, it was really good because he was another guy who I liked in theory and then kind of backed away from when he was struggling to throw strikes this spring in addition to kind of tweaking his delivery. It just seemed like uh, a, a, the potential for him to sabotage himself there, but 66% of his pitches were strikes in this one, and he only walked one batter. So, yeah, Glass now seems like he was still... A worthy investment for those who invested in him. And then one other name I'll say, and Chris wrote about him in the waiver wire column, but Yandy Diaz mm -hmm. has started all four games for the Rays. He has always been a guy that hits the ball really hard, 
makes good contact, just hits the ball on the ground way, way, way too much. Tampa Bay is generally pretty good at fixing that very, very early on, and I wouldn't make anything of this up yet, but his ground ball rate is below 50%. It's below 45%. His fly ball rate is up at 35%. If he can come anywhere close to maintaining that and plays every day, he's going to be very good. Yandy Diaz is 12% owned. That's a really good call. 333 batting average, one homer. off. He smoked a laser off Garrett Cole. Uh, one walk, one strikeout, two doubles in four games. Another guy who faced elite pitching over the weekend and came out of it looking really good, Yandy Diaz. Uh, my weekend standout is a bad one. You gotta be kidding me. You Darvish was terrible. Oh my gosh, he was so bad. I think the first 10 hitters he faced either struck out or walked. But he ended up giving up three earned runs on two hits and two and two-thirds with seven walks and four strikeouts. Wow. Now, last year, Carlos Martinez, I think it was his first start. He walked like six guys, and he was able to sort of recover from that. But the year he had last year, didn't have a great spring. This was a very troubling start for you, Darvish. How are you guys feeling about him? I I mean, obviously, you didn't invest like in him like a— must start pitcher 12th round. If there weren't any concerns about him, he wouldn't have gone that late. So obviously I hoped for better. I probably did start him this first week, but I'm not sure what to take away from this, you know, it being just one start. And obviously a lot of really good pitchers struggled in their first start. Um, Darvish is the one I'd probably be most likely to bench of that group the second time through. I think he's facing the Brewers, so that makes it easier. But beyond that, I'm more likely to bench him next time out. I'm not sure what to take away from this. It's just too little information. Yeah, it was bad. They said the stuff was good. He just couldn't locate it. I was conflicted all spring because I didn't like Darvish quite as much as you guys did, but I seemed to like him more than the consensus. And I would assume there's going to be an overreaction to this. I'm not going to start him until I see him get through a start now without with some control. But other than that, I'm not worried long term. Okay, and it should be mentioned, like I don't think he his control was bad before last year. After Tommy John, his control got better, and then I think last year he, he definitely struggled with it. But okay, so more from over the weekend. Christian Yelich has four home runs in four games. Cody Ballinger has four home runs in four games. They are off to outstanding starts. Paul Goldschmidt has four home runs. He homered three times on Friday. Um, let's see what else. How about Michael Franco? You guys interested in him? He's off to a good start. I'm, I haven't made a move to pick him up, but there's more upside there than he's shown in the past. Yeah, I've always liked him. It's just the, uh, margin for error is pretty slim as a number eight hitter, even in a good lineup. And I don't see much of a path to get him too high in the order. So he, he's going to have to be a deeper league guy. It's funny that you mentioned him being an eight hitter. Cesar Hernandez batting seven, Michael Franco batting eighth. There was a moment in one of the games this weekend where Cesar Hernandez stole second base with Franco up. What do they do? They walk Franco to get to the pitcher. Michael Franco wasn't very happy about it. So that just leads me to believe that if Cesar Hernandez is batting seventh, he might not be stealing very many bases because it would (laughs) make Michael Franco very mad. And it makes sense. You don't want to do that. You don't want to leave first base open with the pitcher on deck. Uh, well, it depends on how many outs there are. It does depend on how many outs there are, yeah. Jay Bruce, I think, is under-owned. He homered Saturday and Sunday. He's 26% owned. And where is he eligible? I know in Yahoo Leagues he's first and outfield eligible. 
Um, what about in CBS leagues? Jay Bruce first base eligible? Yep. Yep. Okay. Dual eligible. Yeah. So just want to throw his name out there. Um, how do you feel about Austin Meadows? 64% owned. Right now he has two home runs and one steal. One walk, seven strikeouts for Austin Meadows. Yeah, struck out a lot early on, so I don't know whether to take the home runs as a good sign or the strikeouts as a bad sign. I'm not, ultimately my opinion hasn't changed that much yet. Definitely see the potential for Meadows, but um, treating him as kind of like a number four outfielder right now, not necessarily worth rostering yet in three outfielder leagues. Yeah, I mean, if, if you were the guy that lost Justin Upton and you had to pick up an outfielder, then he might, he'd have been on the, the relatively short list of guys I was looking to replace him. Uh, would you go with Jay Bruce or Austin Meadows? I, I'd probably go with Bruce. Okay. Let's talk about pitchers for the rest of the show. Uh, I'm going to give you some names. You tell me if there's any reason to own these players. We're looking for guys to drop. There are so many pitchers to add. So can we own, should we own any of these guys? Sonny Gray. Meh. Yeah, it's still on Gray. <laughs> Awful. Awful yesterday. Luke Weaver. I'm holding on to him. I would... The the best pitcher I dropped this weekend for one of those exciting options was Tyler Skaggs, who isn't even on this list. What? So I'll put that you did what? You I dropped mean, it was, Skaggs? It was, a fair, it was a fairly shallow league. Uh, I'm not positive Tyler Skaggs is going get, to get picked up based on me dropping him. And I guess in that context, I would be willing to drop any of these pitchers, Sonny Gray included. But yeah. uh, looking ahead, looking at the whole list, whole list, Sonny Gray is the only one that I would be reluctant to drop. So that includes Luke Weaver. I'd be fine dropping him for somebody who made a stronger impression the first time through, and I'm at risk of losing because of it. The only the other players on the list: Sonny Gray, Luke Weaver, Kyle Wright, Reynaldo Lopez, and Dylan Bundy. And yeah. I did drop Sonny Gray for Lucas Giolito, I believe. He just—he's a myth. Sonny Gray is. Sonny Gray has nothing. What? He's a, he I, has see, nothing. What? I have to completely. That's. I've changed my tune completely. That's. <laughs> but that's where we're kind of different too, and. I don't think the odds of Lucas Giolito being better than Sonny Gray for the rest of the year are very good. Yeah, I agree. I know I know that he is definitely more likely to get picked up right now, and you might be able to drop Sonny Gray and then win the fab battle for him after his next good start. He is a bit of a myth, and I, and I think he's kind of just a guy, but I expect he's going to be better than Giolito. He probably will, but Giolito, to me, definitely has more upside. Um, Just... There's this myth that Sonny Gray has good stuff. Where is his good stuff? He doesn't throw hard. Like, he doesn't miss bats. He stinks. Enough of Sonny He's a really good ground ball pitcher, Adam. Weren't you the Sonny Gray guy like 72 hours ago? I I was. I was the Sonny Gray guy. I was. But as like a late round Uh. flyer, not as like, oh, I got to get Sonny Gray on all my teams. But gosh, what I saw yesterday was what I saw in two years with the Yankees. He's not good. So... well. He was he was with the Yankees. He was forced to feature a pitch that wasn't very good. He's talked about that since leaving his slider. He looked a lot better in spring training. Obviously, this is a discouraging first start, but the upside is only so high for Sonny Gray. So in a shallow league context, if you want to go after somebody with a little more sizzle, I don't know that I'd draw that line at Giolito. The guy I dropped Skaggs for was Trevor Richards, who I like more than Giolito. 
but I, I mean, if just the general idea of dropping Sunny Gray for somebody who looks exciting, it, you know, you'd only consider doing it in a shallow league, and I think it's appropriate in a shallow league. I might be back on the Sunny Gray bandwagon at some point, but right now I am very anti Sunny Gray. So just <laughs> take a note of it. No, if I have to make a, a stance, it's this: I don't think he's that good. I, I just I don't know why I bought into that he could be better outside of the Yankees. I know his road ERA was great with the Yankees, but I just but he's not like he's in a good ballpark now. He's in a terrible ballpark in a tough division again. Uh, all right, so let's talk about some That's, of the yeah. Let's talk about some of the studs who were duds over the weekend. Carlos Carrasco. Walker Bueller, yikes. Two swinging strikes, no strikeouts in three innings, five runs for Bueller. And Jack Flaherty. Uh, Carrasco, Bueller, and Flaherty were all really bad. Heath, anything concern you there with those three? I'm not going to hold Flaherty's start against him. We already talked about uh, my rule with Miller Park, or really beer parks in general. <laughs> if you're bad at a beer park, it doesn't count. Um, <laughs> Walker Bueller does kind of bring up the concern for him at the beginning of the year was that they took it so easy on him in the spring that he might get off to a slow start. And we're also worried about his innings. So the end of the season might be rough. This was not a good start for Walker Bueller. I still think he'll be a very good pitcher, but it may be a couple starts away. What about Bush stadium? That's kind of an exception, right? Yeah, that, that is an exception. (laughs) Uh, so yeah, it was the whole Red Sox staff, I, I guess because they had a deep playoff run last year. But the, all four of the guys who went out there were terrible. And Walker Bueller's another example. Blake Snell is another example. Guys who hardly pitched this spring because teams wanted to save those bullets for games that mattered, which is a good idea in theory. But, uh, you know, maybe it's just a coincidence. But it, it's kind of looking like spring training there's a level of importance to it for pitchers because yeah. yeah, that I think that explains a lot of the just horrible starts we're seeing from great pitchers early on. They just weren't quite ready yet. What about this group? Studs being duds part two. Nick Pavetta, Jake Arietta. Now he gave up one run, but he walked six, so I guess it's it a was good. ERA matters, Adam. Yeah, yeah. It is a little harsh. Um but Pavetta was bad. Jay Happ was bad against the Orioles. Robbie Ray was uh nine strikeouts. Robbie five Ray. Walks. Yeah, he, he was, was very Ray. Robbie Ray. Zach Godley was terrible at the Dodgers. Look, look, the Dodgers ambushed the uh the Diamondbacks this week. Cole Hamels <laughs> knew shouldn't start him at Texas. Five runs in five innings at Texas. And Freddie Peralta, eighty percent owned, one of them still one of the most added players. Freddie Peralta uh had a bad start against St. Louis. So I'll take Ariad off the list. But Pavetta, actually, no, I won't, because the question is, are any of these guys droppable in your opinion? Pavetta, Arietta, Hap, Ray, Godley, Hamels, Peralta. Peralta. Yeah. I'm a, I, the big concern for Peralta now is I, that it's not going to be too long until Jimmy Nelson's ready, and one of those three is not going to be in the starting ro- rotation. I would say Peralta's in last place now. He needs an arsenal. He's just so, so fastball dependent. I think Pavetta and Hap are the only, well, Pavetta, Hap, and Ray are the only ones I wouldn't consider dropping from this group. Arietta, Godley. I want to drop Hamps either. So, okay. So basically, Arietta, Godley, and Freddie Peralta, um, they either 
don't I don't feel like they have the upside that you'll really miss them or they haven't shown enough that you should give them preferential treatment over the more interesting options on emerging on waiver wire right now. I, w- I was always surprised. I mean, I like I, I think Peralta does have interesting upside because it's a really good fastball and he's shown a lot of strikeout potential with it. But I was always surprised he was owned in more leagues than Corbin Burns and and uh, Brandon Woodruff. That would have been a change I made even before this first run through the rotation. But what about Pablo Lopez? What about Matt Shoemaker? Are those guys better than Peralta? Are they better than Arietta? I would drop Peralta for both of them. I would probably drop Arietta and Godley for Pablo Lopez specifically. I don't know about Shoemaker. Yeah, I, I would know. drop Peralta for both of them, and I wouldn't drop the other two for either of them. What about the Red Sox guys? Eduardo Rodriguez, Rick Porcello, Nate Evaldi, all owned in 93 to 96% of leagues. And Rodriguez, Porcello, Evaldi, are they droppable? Yeah. No. Uh, is that all you need? Yeah, that's perfect. Great. <laughs> Let's see who else. You would be willing to drop all three of them, Heath? Is that what she said? I don't. I wouldn't drop Rick Porcello in a points league. He's probably got a lot of quality starts coming. Um, I was not, and I think there's upside for Rodriguez, so you could put him in that same category. I was not ever convinced that Nate Evaldi was worth drafting. Yeah, he's he's. I think one more bad start from him, and and we're gonna see that ownership get probably below eighty percent. But he's ninety five percent owned right now. Uh, I think we got to keep an eye on Steven Strasburg's velocity. He uh, was averaging, I didn't look online, but when I watched the game, it looked like 93-ish, 94. And it looks like yeah. kind of the lowest of his career. I mean, his first start of 2018, uh, Strasburg was averaging 95.6 miles per hour. So he certainly didn't have a bad start. Six innings, four runs, two walks, eight strikeouts against the Mets. But it's, it is something to look at here because it was way down. Down a couple miles per hour from last year's average, but it was similar to what he was throwing last September. Yeah. But that was after he came back from I don't know what that means. Yeah, I agree. It's an, it's something to keep an eye on, but it could, it could turn around over the rest of the month. Sure. Okay. Some other uh, interesting pitchers. Fringy starting pitchers part one. These guys are owned in 65 to 79% of leagues. The one guy who pitched, who had a great line that I saw that looked the worst. Like, that I didn't buy was Michael Waka. Michael Waka, six innings, four hits, one run, four walks, seven strikeouts. Fairly low swinging strike rate, but it was the Brewers, and I do feel like they are just going to be brutal at home against righties. Waka, Michael Pineda, four scoreless innings of five strikeouts against the Indians, and Tyler Skaggs was disappointing. Two runs in four and two-thirds. May have been a little fatigued, according to the article I read. But how would you rank those three? Michael Waka, Michael Pineda, and Tyler Skaggs. Pineda, Skaggs, Waka. I'm actually going with Pineda last because it, it was it was strange what the Twins decided to do with them. He was awesome for four innings, efficient for four innings. They pulled him after four innings to go with Martin Perez. And it, it seems like there may be some legs to that strategy. Like the problem for Pineda has always been he basically just has two pitches. Really good fastball, really good slider. He's tried to incorporate a changeup. It's never gone well for him. 
so they may be the twins may be trying to apply kind of a new approach to him that we've seen other teams apply with other pitchers and that's not letting him face the lineup a third time because the arsenal isn't diverse enough to survive that um that that kind of seemed like the plan there would there was always the thought going into this start that martin perez was going to relieve him pretty early kind of a piggyback effort if that becomes the norm for him it's going to be hard for him to to factor outside of outside of like category leagues where he's essentially a glorified long reliever so how well, would you rank him? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Th- it was also his first start back. Yeah. And he didn't, didn't pitch last year. So it, that could be it. I've not read anything suggesting that's what it is, but it was a lot it, of, there was a lot of vague talk on Twitter that that was the idea. I, I couldn't find anything concrete either. Right. It could also just be that they wanted to really ease him back from Tommy John surgery because he's going to be on some sort of innings limit this year. I would assume. I can't believe you have him over Skaggs. Some of that. I was never quite as excited about Tyler Skaggs as you. I think I don't think he's bad. I just there's a lot of questions there as well. Nah, there's no questions. Come on. I get Tyler All right, more pitchers: Derek Rodriguez, Matt Harvey, Jake Junis, Wade Miley, Aaron Sanchez, Dakota Hudson. You want any of them? Derek Rodriguez. I did actually pick up Derek Rodriguez. I think I'm going to start him this week. Uh, he's at home against the Rays. Um, Matt Harvey, Jake June. Like, I'm, I'm actually gonna start Derek Rodriguez at home against the Rays over you, Darvish. Wow. Uh, other guys, Harvey, Junis, Wade Miley, Aaron Sanchez, Dakota Hudson. I have a lot of Wade Miley shares, just in the hopes the Astros figure something out there, just because they have such a good track record with salvaging scrap heap pitchers. And, uh, I mean, this first start against the Rays, it wasn't anything that would discourage me from that. wasn't anything that would make me rush out and pick him up if I didn't already have him. But I'm not really looking to drop him. Heath, we got to go. We have like 30 seconds left, so I'm going to give you the deep league guys and tell me if you want any of these dudes. Bryce Wilson, terrible for the Braves at Philadelphia. Marco Estrada, Jeff Samarja, Frankie Montas, Mike Leake, Derek Holland, Matt Moore, Brett Anderson. Yeah, right now Montas is the most interesting of this group to me, just with the new pitch and the good velocity and at the big park. I I would like like I've got some interest in Bryce Wilson in the long term future, but I, I still have no idea why he's making starts in the major leagues and Gohara down in the minors. Tomorrow on the show, I will probably take a look at some guys who are off to really slow starts and ask the guys if they are uh, concerned about them, and then the guys will say, no, it's only been four or five games. So get excited for that. I'm Adam Azer with Scott White and Heath Cummings. This has been Fantasy Baseball Today. Sorry about the April Fool's joke. We'll talk to you on Tuesday.